Today on the show, we think pushing for generous parental leave and family-oriented policies will ease the burden of parenthood. I mean, it was amazing. It's like all the things that we dream of, right? They tried it in Japan. None of it worked. (laughs) This dad is who everyone in Japan has been talking about the past week, all because he's about to go on leave to take care of his newborn son. It's not just because Shinjiro Koizumi is the first minister and the first male MP to do this, but it also because hardly anyone in Japan expects a father to take parental leave. It's nearly always mothers doing it. Uh, okay, that guy at the end there was saying, Japan has such capable women, I left it to my wife to raise the kids. This is from January 2020, not a blast from the past. Hi, I'm Amy Westervelt. I'm Elise Hugh. This is Labor, the social science on women, work, and motherhood. So we started this podcast pre-COVID, and the idea was to look at the structural and historical reasons why parenting is so dang hard in America through the actual research that's been done on that subject. So that was already a pretty good premise, but then the pandemic hit. And all of the issues that we were going to talk about got a whole lot worse and more obvious in our lives and in the lives of so many Americans. So in this episode, we're going to introduce you to the Japanese researcher whose big idea is to use home economics, home ec classes, to build a foundation of men who do a better job carrying their weight around the house. And these days, that seems more relevant than ever. Yeah, it sure does. Not to knock on men here, but we're seeing already in the data about COVID and parenting at home and people juggling work and parenting and all of their other tasks that women are losing their careers right and left. Women are being asked to be the full-time parent more often than not. And on top of that, we're all at home all the time. And holy crap, the cleaning has really gotten out of hand. There's a dead moth in the bacon. Oh, there's two in there. Disgusting. Look. That was my husband cleaning the kitchen before piecing out on a work trip. (laughs) Uh, These negotiations that we're having to make every day are messy and frustrating. And based on what we're seeing in the U.S. anyway, they're probably not going away anytime soon. Even when COVID is over, we need sweeping systemic change to address some of these issues. We need the kind of change that Japan tried to make. Mm -hmm. Except. (laughs) What exactly happened in Japan and how we might learn from that and avoid similar issues here coming up right after this message from today's sponsor. Elise, what did you see on the parenting front when you were living in Korea and doing a bunch of reporting on Japan? It was super gendered, just as we heard there in the clip. And I was actually taken aback by it because it's such a 1950s America kind of divide in which the men go to work and they're kind of in their salarymen outfits. And it's mm-hmm. almost all men kind of yeah. coming off the train in the mornings. And then women stay at home. 
So this is true in Japan and in neighboring Korea, where I lived for three and a half years with my family. Mm-hmm. Both countries rank at the bottom of the developed world for the amount of time men spend doing childcare and household duties. Mm. Japanese men spend an average of, wait for it, not even an hour. It's 40 minutes a day on children and household duties. <sighs> that's compared to more than three hours a day when it comes to Western men. And that's still not enough. Yeah. The I Western mean, men aren't exactly like winning prizes. That's not for the their model. Right. That's not the standard <laughs> yeah. that we should all, to which we should all aspire. <sighs> Moms have so much disproportionate parenting responsibilities that it extends in all sorts of ways and in places where you wouldn't expect to have to spend so much time um, getting ready or taking care of your kids, like making lunch. So I went to this class where I could learn how to make cute character bento lunches, where these moms are spending something like 90 minutes a day fashioning rice balls into little panda faces oh or God. ham sandwiches into pig faces. Yeah. And what's the what's the craziest thing you ever made? Obama. What, Obama you made <laughs> You made Obama with rice? Yes. I I mean I, I made a, his face with ham and seaweed. That's Tomomi Maruo who teaches these classes at her home. It worth it uh, because we see how happy our kids become. Mm-hmm. So we'll do our best. And that's mom Satoko Sano. And this is basically expected. It's the norm. It's not like, hey, it's a special day and I'm going to make you a super cute lunch. Um, The food was too adorable to eat. But it's pretty just insane that there is this cultural pressure among moms to devote this much time to childcare. Yeah. You know, I did some research in Japan for my book. And the reason that I did that was that I feel like we have this tendency in the U.S. to sort of wax poetic about Sweden and it's like beautiful parental leave policy. Yeah, Scandinavia, <laughs> happiest people in the oh, world. Only, And it's this sort of like, if we could just get those policies, then everything would be fixed. And my sense has always been like, okay, but policies can only do so much. And if they're slapped on top of a culture that's not going to embrace those policies. What does it look like? They're not going to work. Right. So I wanted to look and see, you know, are there any other countries that have tried this? And what I found was that Japan had done this in a very literal way, as the Japanese do, (laughs) where they had sent ministers to various Scandinavian countries and to France because they must have read Bringing Up Bebe. And (laughs) literally written down policies and brought them home and been like, here, here's the policies. And then we're shocked to find that very little change. And just to be clear, policies for what? Oh, parental leave, um, especially paternity leave. So trying to encourage dads to take time off. Also really generous maternity leave that secured women's jobs for them because at this time, really what they were grappling with was not necessarily like making life better for Japanese families, but labor issues, right? So there's a declining birth rate. They have very restrictive immigration Mm -hmm. policies. And then women were mostly not working, especially if they were moms. It's terrible for the economy. Yeah, right. The population's declining rapidly. Yeah, and if they want to deal with the labor force issue without making their immigration policy more lenient, then they have to get more women in the workplace. So there were these maternity policies to subsidize daycare, shorter hours for like parents that had kids. So from what we heard from that clip, which was just January of 2020, January of this year, it sounds like things have not changed as expected. What happened? There's sort of a culture policy mismatch, or um, as the researcher that we're going to listen to today, Masako Ishii-kuns calls it a culture conduct mismatch. Mm -hmm. So... um, 
basically it's just like, look, these policies sound great, but they're written for, literally written for a different culture. <laughs> and she interviewed a ton of Japanese fathers, right? Yeah. Let's have a listen to what she found. Many of them, um, I would say one third of uh, dads in Japan are interested in taking childcare leave mm -hmm. or maybe shortening their work hours so that they can spend more time with kids or something. Yeah. About 30%. Yeah. But when it comes to those who take childcare leave, it goes down to 3%. 3%. Yikes. Yeah, you don't want to be the chump who, God forbids, yeah. you know, doesn't go to work, but instead stays at home caring for your child. It looks bad in a very hyper-masculine yes. workplace. Yeah. And well, it sounds like that's still the case. And it's not even just the hyper-masculine thing. It's also this culture of, like, long hours at work in general, right? I mean, I talked to a guy in Japan who's a dad who's very close to his kid and actually is probably – would probably be pointed to it as an example of a more involved Japanese mm -hmm. dad. Like, he takes his kid to soccer. But he was like, oh, yeah, no, I'll never leave before 11 p.m. <laughs> So in that sense, it sounds like Koizumi, this minister, is yeah. taking a step in the right direction. I think he's trying to be a role model, which is a big part of how the Japanese have tried to get the culture to shift along with these policies. There have been some political and business leaders who have taken paternity leave, and they say their male staff have followed suit. So the past 10 years or so, there's been a massive, basically, propaganda campaign around encouraging involved fatherhood in particular. It's called the Ikumen Project. And so they, they got all these, like, famous dads, politicians, musicians, actors, whatever, to try to, like, be more public with their... You involvement know, commitment to fatherhood. Yeah, exactly. And like there there's like a whole there's a whole bunch of like products that have sprung up too for like dads. There's a magazine that's for like involved dads and like, you know. And then of course like several years into it they realized that oh, we also have to really target bosses. So they started the Iku Boss program, which is aimed at kind of retraining uh, senior executives in Japan to get on board with this stuff, too, because what was happening was, like, the culture was shifting and a lot of, like, 30-something, like, millennial dads were super into it, like, baby carriers and the whole thing. But their bosses were like, what the, what the fuck is this thing, you know? <laughs> what? No, no, we work from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. That's what we do. <laughs> And so they have people going into uh, various companies. So they bring in trainers and they do kind of intensive training workshops with the bosses to kind of reprogram them. Does it move the needle? Tiny, tiny bits. And you'll hear Masako talk about this. Masako, the researcher. Yeah. So Masako Ishii-Kuntz is a fatherhood researcher. She grew up in Japan and worked there for a long time, um, but then she also did research in Scandinavia and in the U.S. And in fact, she had her daughters in the U.S. Okay. So she now teaches at a university in Tokyo that's an all-women's school that happens to train most of the country's home ec teachers. And Masako has sort of subversively snuck in, like, balanced gender labor things into the home ec career. <laughs> in the country, which I love. I'm like, this is great. It's like guerrilla tactics. I love it. <laughs> Let's listen to some of your conversation. Within home economics curriculum, mm -hmm. actually some high schools are already doing it, but they're introducing the topic of father's involvement in child care That's and so housework. Great. And what they do is sometimes they bring in the, the babies and their moms mm -hmm. and their dads from their community. Yeah. And then High school kids can actually touch the baby and they can take care of the baby. Yeah. So it's very practical kind of curriculum. That's but so I, cool. I think 
if boys can get involved from elementary school on, um, this will do some trick. So she is now also pushing for the the Minister of Education to make home ec a requirement on exams. So right now it's required class from kindergarten through 12th grade, but it's not part of their entrance exams. And as you know, like exams are the thing that's the most important in, in the Japanese school system. So if it's not on there, then the kids won't take it as seriously. But they're, um, they are doing things like, you know, talking about fathers and fatherhood involvement. Okay, so the point is you teach boys when they're young to be more involved in family life. And then they want to be more involved. But there are other roadblocks keeping men at work. Let's get back to Masako. I see a lot of fathers are very interested in participating in childcare, but at the same time, because of their long work hours or maybe because their bosses are not so understanding, yeah. um, they sort of end up being um, outsider you know, the circle of, of childcare. Yeah. And that's been happening. Yeah. So a lot of dads today, they want to do it, but they can't do it because they have to work. Yeah. And, and that sort of dilemma yeah. is very strong. Okay, pause. Aren't a lot of women having to go to work too? Yeah, exactly. That's that's this whole thing of like, okay, we want them to have kids, but we also want them to go to work. And another really interesting thing about this, and this gets into the Iku Boss program too, is that they are trying to get women not only to go to work and be at work and, you know, be part of the workforce, but also try to find ways to actually get them into management positions or maybe find part-time work for them that's not just menial labor so that they can actually balance these things. So I also talked to this other woman, Makiko Tachimori, who works with the Ikuboss program, and she's involved in the U.S. Chamber of Commerce in Japan, and she's been a working mom for her whole career, too. And she was telling me about how, you know, yeah, okay, the Ikuboss program is starting to work and, and a big part of the focus of it is not just people who have childcare duties, but also the growing elder care issue mm-hmm. in Japan. But Makiko is saying still there's a big difference between the workplace policies and even the workplace culture and what's happening outside of the workplace. And for women in particular, there's still very much this pressure to not just be like a full-time stay-at-home mom, but be like, the fucking like most amazing super mom cute bento box lady ever and like totally. if you don't do that then you you You're still really get falling a lot down of, you can't just yeah. slap some peanut butter and jelly between no. two pieces of bread you know what i'm saying yeah exactly so makiko was telling me that her mother-in-law every weekend when they would go and visit her would say to her kids in front of her i'm so sorry for you that you don't get to eat well because your mom works <laughs> oof yeah the shame oh my goodness <laughs> Yeah. And she said, too, that there's just not a lot of role models yet of women who have, like, attained a high level in in their careers and had kids and managed some kind of family life. Right. And role models are so key in the workforce and in trying to balance being a working mother and your responsibilities at home. So. And it's not as if women outside the workforce aren't skilled, right? Japanese women make up a higher percentage of college grads than men, but 70% quit working when they have babies. Mm -hmm. And when you're doing the majority of the childcare and the household duties, not to mention all those character bento boxes, how would you manage a full-time job on top of it? Exactly. So Masako did talk about some of the policies that have come into play to try to help working moms, too the government inaugurated this new law uh, to promote women's careers and I work and so on. Yeah. yeah. But despite that, though, they have not really been significantly increasing the number of daycare centers. Yeah. 
I mean, Japanese women, despite their uh, desire maybe to continue to work after having the kid, yeah, many women find it very difficult to, to balance between childcare and work. Although I have to say there are a few bigger companies that have come up with uh, different plans for women. Yeah. For example, I know um, Mitsubishi UFJ Bank or something, one of the major banks in Japan. Yeah. They started this uh, program for their uh, women mm -hmm. uh, employees, which is women can stay up to three years after childbirth. Wow. And they can come back mm -hmm. to the same work. Yeah. And but the problem is many women, many of them are not taking advantage of this program hmm. because they are afraid that in three years, everything will be changed and they'll and have a hard time it. catching up and everything. Yeah. So women either get put on like the management track or the mom track. Ah, like, that's another challenge. I mean, there are many women who have been working for the same company for some time, but yet they are not willing to go up as, as managers. Mm -hmm. And the most frequently cited reason is the difficulty to balance between work and family. Yeah. Okay, this is really Debbie Downer. <laughs> let's get to some optimism. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, let's get to the part where Masako becomes like a guerrilla gender warrior. <laughs> okay. <laughs> She's she's amazing. First of all, she's we need a stinger fairly for that. old. Like, like she's a little jingle. Yeah, really gender, right? Um, she is she's fairly old. Like she reminded me a lot of my grandma when I went to meet her because she also wore the same perfume that my grandma used to wear, oh. and I was like, grandma. <laughs> But she works at Ochano Mizu University, which is a women's college in Tokyo. And like I said, she does um, she teaches gender studies and, and she also serves on the government's, you know, gender equality board. But she also does a lot of training of home ec teachers and has gotten a lot of this sort of gender based labor stuff into the home ec curriculum. Let's hear a little bit more about that. Ochano Mizu University is famous for um nurturing future home ec teachers uh -huh. and they have to do teacher training course oh, you know cool. yeah and so my students go there yeah uh, junior high and high school mm -hmm. and they teach home ec classes for yeah. like over two weeks or something during mm -hmm. you know during the early summertime and teachers who are responsible for these seminar students we can get to observe them yeah so i always do it and whenever i go they lecture about father's participation maybe because you know they're because <laughs> you're there self-conscious i'm there yeah We've talked about this idea before that a lot of men have never really been around kids that much before they become fathers. And I think now that we're all at home juggling all the parenting and work stuff yeah. all at once, we're also seeing that men have not really had that much practice juggling their kids and their work at the same time. I don't know about you, Elise, but I've had to fit my work around my kids pretty much since they were born. And part of that's because I'm freelance, but I also think in general, you know, the women that I know are usually the ones that have to leave work yeah. early to pick up a kid or have to stay home because their kids are sick. So Exactly. Yeah. And that's a really good point. And I want to talk about the socializing thing for a minute because it is true because how many boys are realistically doing things like babysitting, you know, caregiving type stuff growing up? Because it seems like not that many. Yeah, it's not. It's like it's highly unusual. And like, you know, I have boys and I when I talked to Masako was like, yeah, I'm going to have my boys babysit. But the flip side of that and this gets to the, the cultural stuff that we were talking about before is that. How many moms want a teenage boy babysitting <laughs> their kids? I don't know. Well, it's just not normalized yet. 
Exactly. Yeah. There's a great line in um, Bridget Schulte's book, Overwhelmed, where she says, like, there's, like, this idea that women are better suited to parenting or are, like, naturally more nurturing is totally bullshit. Right. Which, face it, have you seen me, mother? (laughs) (laughs) Beat it, kid. That's (laughs) that's neither here nor there. Anyway. Yeah, but it's like this idea of like, okay, of course, you know, women tend to seem like they know what to do more because they've been expected to like babysit their entire early lives. Or if they have younger siblings, they often take care of them or younger cousins or whatever. You know, my husband has a good friend, male friend who's like single and has no kids. And he's great with kids because he was the one that babysat all of his cousins. And I'm like, see, perfect example. Which gets to this home ec curriculum point, right? Um, A lot of schools are doing away with home ec, but Masako is arguing that it allows boys to have early exposure to the work of managing a home Mm -hmm. and the work of caregiving. And that extends for their own children one day, but also their parents, because we also have elder care to think about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Like I mentioned before, Masako serves on the Japanese government's Gender Equality Committee, and she's pushing for home ec to be included on these entrance exams, too. That'd be awesome. Yeah. She's really determined that, like, she's going to make this, like, a requirement because she's like, I can't go into every single Japanese home and, like, change how people raise their kids. But, like, this I can do. (laughs) Because it standardizes it. Yeah, exactly. So that at least they're all getting some amount of consistent exposure. And from kindergarten to 12th grade, which is a lot. But that got me thinking about, like, could this work here? Like you said, we're getting rid of home ec now. But even when we had it, it wasn't really focused on this stuff. It was, like, kind of a bullshit class. No, I remember having to learn in my home ec class how to sift flour properly, like properly mm. use the flour sifter. Okay. And... It was kind of cooking focused, Yes, I it was super cooking focused. Mm-hmm. It was definitely not like home economics in the sense of running and managing a home, which, I mean, how great would that be if you made kids think about what kind of home do I want to have as an adult? What kind of job does that require? How much money would I have to make? Do I want kids? If so, how many? How would that work? What kind of career goes with that? Not to mention what it looks like at home when parents are trying to work and cook and clean and manage homeschooling for a handful of kids. Like I'm constantly running out of devices for child Zooms. (laughs) I know. So much charger drama (laughs) all the time. Uh, I know. It's so hard. I've been trying to sit my husband down. I think I've tried this like three or four times now to make a schedule that allows both of us to either be focused on work or be focused on parenting in like large chunks of time. Because to me, that feels like the only way to stay kind of sane during all of this. And I swear it's like I'm speaking Japanese to him. He's just like does not compete. He's like, uh-huh, sure. And then it like, it goes right back to every day, us both trying to juggle both things all the time. And it just sucks for everyone. Like the kids are being ignored. Yeah. Well, if you do make a schedule, then you're having to give up the idea that you're working full time still. Because if you're making a schedule to be exactly. dedicated to the children, then you will, <laughs> by definition, not be working during that time in the schedule, which is problematic when you're supposed to be exactly. working all the time. <laughs> If school is ever a thing again, I hope that we can get gender equal home ec added to the curriculum because we clearly need it. That's it for this episode of Labor, which is a co-production of our respective podcasting companies. Mine is Reasonable Volume. And Critical Frequency. Let us know what you think about this home ec question. And we're doing labor as a labor <laughs> of love. <laughs> 
So if you are liking this kind of stuff, please subscribe, rate us, and tell your friends to subscribe. And also, we want to hear your takes and your ideas. You can reach us or tweet at us at Elise Who, that's E-L-I-S-E-W-H-O, and Amy is at? At Amy Westervelt, A-M-Y-W-E-S-T-E-R-V-E-L-T. Very long, but I'm easy to find. This episode was produced by our friend and boss lady, Rachel Swaby. Big thanks to Rachel. And mixed and mastered at the 805 Room in Santa Barbara. Big thanks to all of the voices in this episode. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.